We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sarah, so as we both know, rumors have been swirling and swirling around a potential Ravens trade for Titans running back Derrick Henry, and we have more layers to this story unfolding just within the last day or so. Yeah, Bobby, it sounds like there was a deal actually in place. That's some reports, Uh, but that deal was vetoed by the Titans owner. Uh, There's some other explanations for it, too, so we've got all the reported details behind the offer coming up soon this is juicy leading right up to today's deadline i'm bobby trossett as always alongside my co-host sarah ellison happy nfl trade deadline day happy halloween to those of you who celebrate it is tuesday october 31st and this is your morning ravens update from inside the vault brought to you by our friends at mint mobile So on Monday, John Harbaugh, he raved about Rashad Bateman's game Sunday against the Cardinals. He noted how much confidence Rashad is gaining. And then Harbs made a bold prediction concerning concerning Bateman going forward in the second half of the season. Plus, Harbs talked about OBJ's frustration, and then he was also in a generous mood providing some injury updates, including one on Tyus Bowser, and there's some optimism, shockingly, surrounding Baltimore's outside linebacker. <laughs> it was, he was in a, in a generous mood. Doesn't always happen, but we've got some injury details there. And you know what? We have all of that, and we have more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Okay, Bobby, so we had seen over the weekend um, that uh, Diana Rossini, she's at The Athletic now, right? She's yep. she's moved on from ESPN? Yeah, okay. So she kind of gave out a general um, outline of what different teams were looking for on the trade market, and she outlined the Baltimore Ravens that they were looking to run, run, um, add a running back. Well, we got a few more details on that today. Actually, quite a few. Actually, maybe we might want to hit over when when Adam Schefter was on uh, Pat McAfee's show. He kind of alluded to the fact that, hey, the Ravens, they could be in on Derrick Henry. Your team's checking in to see if he would be available. The Ravens? Was it the Baltimore Ravens? Well, 
He would look, he would look interesting in purple. That's for sure. Well, okay. Yes. Sounds like the Ravens looked uh-huh. into Derrick Henry. Okay, that's Bill. great. <laughs> All right. Well, hi. I love Pat. The Ravens. The Ravens. Could it, yeah, <laughs> he's always fun to to watch. So uh, that was earlier in the day on Monday. I, they, I think Pat McAfee usually starts around lunchtime, noontime. Well, things developed after that. 4 p.m. the day before trade deadlines, Bobby, are is always important because any cap situations that need to go into the trade needs to be decided by the 4 p.m. deadline before an actual trade happens. So after Adam Schefter appeared there on Pat McAfee, he tweeted this. He said, any long shot chance of a potential Derrick Henry deal, it diminished even further at 4 p.m. Eastern today, meaning Monday, when the deadline passed for him to restructure his contract ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. Henry has $5.5 million left on his deal. It's quite a bit for a half a season left. And then a source told Adam Schefter, quote, I don't think it's going to happen, close quote. Now, Bobby, up to this point in this reporting, I've heard similar things that the Ravens didn't just like call the Titans, right? Because they could be calling a million teams, but that there was uh, real interest. And um, but but I also heard this part about a restructure not being able to happen. So that's what I'd heard. Now, these next two things we've got from our local guys. Both guys have been on the show, Cole Jackson and Spencer Schultz. This part I did not hear, but here's what Cole has to say. He said, per sources, the Ravens and Titans had a deal in place for Henry. That deal was vetoed by the Titans owner. Okay, Spencer had tweeted something very similar. But he, um, yeah, so he added, sounds like ownership wanted something more notable than a mid-round pick for Henry. Bobby, as I've said on the show, I was advocating for a fifth rounder, maybe fourth if they took on a ton of his money, but I would prefer a fifth rounder. So it sounds like the owner wanted more than a fifth rounder who is considered an all-time great Titan. So I I can't verify all of this, but I do feel comfortable in saying based off of what I've heard and many people, it sounds like the Ravens had real interest in Derrick Henry. So this slide is relevant, right? And then you have, obviously, the one that we mentioned at the top from Diana Rossini, the national scale, the Ravens are looking to add a running back. And then you go back to last week when the A to Z sports columnist down there in Nashville, Buck Reesing, had similar thoughts, like that that he, he was hearing that the Ravens were, quote, the most interested team in going after Derrick Henry. So there has been a lot of smoke surrounding this, and I can't verify either the whole veto from Tennessee ownership, but it certainly fits the the bill here, if you will, on what we've seen play out over the last week or so. The Ravens clearly looking to upgrade at running back, uh, even after a game where Gus Bus goes for three touchdowns for the first time since 2019. Right? We hadn't seen that three rushing touchdowns from a running back since Mark Ingram did so in 2019, but there's been a lot of buzz surrounding this doesn't necessarily mean, right, they could, as we're at the time of this taping right now, who knows, partner, they, they could be pivoting in terms of maybe going after a different running back, right? Maybe Derrick Henry was their top guy uh, just based on the scheme fit, based on obviously what his track record and his resume and being in a backfield with Lamar and Gus and what he would have brought. But perhaps they still feel like there's a second or third option that they could make between now 
and the Halloween deadline later today at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's not all that's been taking place around the league as we approach this deadline. Josina Anderson, friend of the show, tweeted that inquiries have still arisen on Giants running back Saquon Barkley, but said teams are being told, quote, he isn't going anywhere. Brian Dable has mentioned that himself to reporters within the last week or so. And yeah, Barkley is not only a core piece, but the clear face of the franchise up there in New York. And then this was a pretty big one as it relates to what the Ravens are now going to have to deal with coming up on Sunday at the bank. The Giants sent veteran defensive lineman Leonard Williams to the Seahawks in exchange for a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth rounder. That's according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. And this is notable. Kyle Barber pointed it out on Twitter. The second lowest graded game of Tyler Linderbaum's career was against those New York Giants and Leonard Williams last season. So it looks like they're going to see him again come Sunday when the Seattle Seahawks come to town, Sarah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Great. Yes, that's an opportunity <laughs> for Linderbaum. So a couple of thoughts here. Um, uh, listen, when... Bart Scott first came out with that video saying that he thinks the Ravens should trade for Saquon Barkley. I said, I said very shortly after that, while it doesn't need to be Saquon, I definitely still think the Ravens need a running back. So um, it's, but it's going to be tough. And this is why we always say it takes two to tango. You can't absolutely be sure that EDC is going to be going to be able to pull something off because it's out of your hands. If you like make a deal with another GM, you both feel good about the the terms of a deal, and then if it's true, then a then an owner comes in. You can't go and say, "Well, because this owner is feeling sentimental because he doesn't want to let go of the face of the franchise, regardless if he's twenty nine and thirty and slowing down." Like, but he's the face of the franchise, so I don't want to give him up for a mid rounder. If that's indeed true, you can't EDC can't be a sucker and then be like, okay, well, since he has meant so much to you, I'll now pay more for what I think he can bring in the future. You can't do business like that. Right. So, uh, it falls in one of those almost categories. It sounds like, which is frustrating, but you also can't fault him because two GMs thought that this was a fair deal and it sounded like a sentimental owner comes through. So now we have 24 hours before the deadline. And if, if this is what EDC was working on, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to pivot because, again, the, the cap stuff needed to be done. So, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do, but I will say this. There was, Cole Jackson, before he reported everything that I just read, he, he reported that after Adam Schefter came out with his after, and during the 4 o'clock hour. But Cole Jackson had said that he had earlier in the day put out a tweet that made you know that he was going to be coming out with news. And this was like just before two o'clock. So I say that because Cole had heard that Henry wasn't going down before John Harbaugh was at the press conference. So the press conference started a little bit late around two 40 instead of two 30. And the first question to Harbs was about a trade. So I have, my feeling is that John Harbaugh knew that they were in on Henry and that it wasn't going to work out. Now, the reporters didn't know that when they asked him this question about a trade, but keep in mind, he knew what was going on with Henry when he talks about trades. Do we have a specific overarching, like, have-to-have guy? No, we have an excellent roster. Love our players. We have uh, guys who are getting healthy. 
that will be coming off IR even, uh, you know, uh, like Pepe Williams, for instance, and guys like that. Uh, so I love our guys. I think we, we have everything we need to be successful. It's at the same time, if an opportunity came to bring in somebody that can help us and make us better uh, in any area, really, but, you know, certain areas more than others, of course, and then you could do it in a way that was affordable to the, to the team uh, and the club, cap-wise, draft pick-wise, those kind of things, you would do it. You would do it to try to get better. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Eric and his, his group is working through that. I was just meeting with Eric just now about some of those things. And, uh, you know, it's a possibility. It's not easy making trades in this league. I mean, it's just not. It's not. Maybe some sports it is. I don't know. I've never been in another sport. But uh, it's just not. You don't see as many trades in football. We've made a few the last few years. I think Eric's done a great job with that. And if there's one to be made that would help us, I'm sure he'll, he'll pull it off. If not, then we'll be happy with what we have because we have a great team, we feel like. I listen to that differently now, knowing because when I first listened to it, I didn't know about Derrick Henry. And now that I do, like I listen to it differently. So uh, he says it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy, you know. Uh, but he also said Derrick and his team is meeting right now. So it does sound like they haven't given up yet. Maybe they're trying to pivot. But again, keep your expectations low. He showed up for that press conference about 10 minutes later than he was scheduled to, and he said that he was just meeting with Eric. So it's, it's, you're kind of piecing the puzzle pieces together now, uh, the way that things work out chronologically now that we know what we know in terms of at least what has been reported by what we've already covered here. Before we get to the next topic, which is more news and notes from John Harbaugh's Monday press conference, including just some big-time praise like you mentioned in the intro about Rashad Bateman, a quick message from Mint Mobile. Okay, so if you're out there and you've ever wondered why your wireless bill is so dang high, then let me tell you about Mint Mobile, which is this episode's title sponsor. Now, you may already be familiar with Mint Mobile if you've seen those Ryan Reynolds ads before, but I want to quickly tell you about how great their service is from my vantage point. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network, and they keep costs low because they sell direct to you online, meaning they cut out the retail stores and salespeople, which to me is a big win. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? That's the question. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot if you live on the go. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up an affordable family plan with as little as two lines. I tell you what, I even have switched to Mint Mobile and literally can't even tell a difference between speed or performance when connected to Mint's network. I'm talking YouTubing, Instagram scrolling, TikTok, you name it, Twitter. It feels and looks the same. And switching to Mint is easy. Thanks to their digital eSIM cards, you can now sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your own home. If your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM card for free. It only takes about 15 minutes to switch, and Mint has great customer service should you need assistance. And now, as a special limited-time offer, you can get their unlimited plan, which is normally only just $30 a month. Again, now it's just $15 a month. So we're talking 50% savings off their already affordable price. It only takes 15 minutes to pay as low as $15 a month for your phone plan. It really is that simple. So 
Use my link to get started or click the link in the show notes that I've provided. It'll help out my channel's growth, which is obviously much appreciated. And hey, if you've already made the switch, I want to know about it. So hit me up in the comments section below. Let's keep the conversation moving here. Rashad Bateman obviously had a, a nice game, both with the jet sweep action, which was much more than the jet sweep that, that like John Harbaugh described uh, during his Monday press conference, but also just the the inner dog was showcased when he just goes and gets a ball that looked like an interception, right? He finds a way to wrestle that football away and just showed you some of that speed, showed you some of that ongoing recovery to get back to what he once was pre-Liz Frank, and Harbs went out of, out of his way to give him a ton of praise, like you mentioned, during that Monday press conference. It's so big. I mean, two big plays. The early catch to keep the drive alive, to go get the ball and take it away from the defender was just, I mean, you're not going to see a better play than that. It was great. And then the, the end around, uh, so to speak, it's, it's really not. It's a, a jet sweep type of play with a, with a read option involved and a gap scheme, so <laughs> to be clear. Uh, but uh, Lamar read it right and uh, gave it. You know, it's not something he's done a lot. You know, I don't think he's practiced it even that much, you know, the ball handling of it. But to have him be able to do that, maybe they weren't expecting it, you know. But he, he ran around there, and I'll tell you, when he turned the corner and accelerated up the sideline, right, that was impressive, wasn't it? I mean, he, he ran by a couple guys, and he really showed some bursts there and got up the sideline. They actually hit him out of bounds, got us another 15. So it was a, it was a huge play in the game that uh, ran time off the clock, got us down in there deeper, and got us another score. Harbs was in a really good mood on, on Monday, wasn't he? <laughs> he sure he was. He was. Uh, you never know what's going on behind the scenes to affect it. But um, uh, so he went on. There was a follow up question to that, which he obviously already just, this is the one where he raved about Bateman in Sunday's game. But then a reporter asked, like, John, do you get the sense that Rashad Bateman is gaining confidence? with his, like, health-wise, coming back from that Liz Frank. And John said, that's actually really perceptive of you, you know, to the, to the reporter, because yes. And he said, you know, Bateman's always been confident in his ability, but it's another thing when your body can't do what your mind is telling it to do. You know, you definitely, as a 40-year-old, I feel that. I'm not 20 anymore, you know what I mean? So just imagine coming off of a Liz Frank. So... And, that, and because of that, because Harbaugh is seeing that speed like he saw on that jet sweep, when Harbaugh is seeing more confidence in his foot, that's then why he could make the prediction. He said, I think, uh, what was the exact, he said, I think that the second half of the season is going to be big for Rashad. He is going to be very successful. So I hope that means more looks to him. Right. There's a lot of people to feed, but hopefully that means more looks to him because that speed, I feel like I've seen it for a couple weeks now. It's back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I love seeing that burst. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come, and we'll stick with the wide receiver position because Odell Beckham Jr., as he often is, was a talking point coming off the 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 Sunday win and uh in, in Arizona, of course. And remember the CBS camera crews caught him slamming his helmet after drawing a third defensive pass interference. So no catches, but three DPIs, which means he's still a threat out there. You still got to take into account where he is at all times. And because of those frustrations, some folks within the Twitter sphere were calling him a diva, which I thought was just ridiculous. He's been nothing but team first. Matter of fact, he's been so far from a diva this year, and he's proven me wrong. Some of the concerns that I had earlier in the year, he's been more than willing to mentor young guys like Zay. He's been more than willing to not be a distraction. That's exactly what he's been. So he's, he's been the opposite of a distraction. John Harbaugh was asked about some of that noise. You know, it really is. I mean, Odell's super talented, very determined, you know, really has a high standard for himself, really works hard, you know, and I really think that that's kind of indicative of kind of like his reputation. You know, it's like they have a, they know, know who he is, you know, they know he's number three and they do not want to give up a completion to him, you know, and, and he's being, he's being covered that way and it draws two huge defensive pass interference calls. Now, Odell and Lamar and all of us want those to be catches, but pass interference is the same as a catch in this league, almost. A touchdown would be a touchdown. You got to put it at the one. You got to go score. That's the difference. That's the only difference. So um, I was happy with the way he played. I was happy with the fact that uh, he was targeted. Uh, you know, then he got hit in the ribs on the sideline play and had to go out for a little while. Came back in, uh, didn't really get targeted too much, but did get the one big play, the pass interference. But was blocking well, which you probably didn't see. So he's playing really well, and I just think that it's gonna it's gonna pop. You know, he's gonna start getting some big catches for us. So, Bobby, you had talked about um, the helmet and some people tweeting saying that he's being a diva. You are the one who grabbed the video of him slamming the tel- helmet. And 
I've seen probably just personally four or five different like aggregator kind of national accounts grab it. And it's interesting to me because the way they put that clip in context, I feel like is from is 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 like almost piling on who who OBJ was at a younger age, right? And so they're playing into that narrative of who he was as a as an immature younger player. And so they're like feeding into that. And then I see people, oh, he's oh, Ravens are six and two, and he's over there ticked off, yada, yada, yada. And they're playing up almost like this team cancer kind of a guy personality. But when I'm watching him, and I've and I and I, you know, you see that kind of stuff from afar when he was playing from other for other teams. But the guy we've seen, Bobby, and you spoke to this a little bit with how he's proven you wrong is I'm looking at it from a lens of he's been phenomenal to Zay. He's been great with Lamar. He hasn't been a, you know, he hasn't been a cancer whatsoever. Everybody's talked about him pretty well. He talks about how even when he's still injured, he's got to be positive and helping people. And he's just so self-aware and watching himself. The other lens that I personally am looking through is that we constantly talk about how we want dogs on offense in Baltimore. We've got one with Roquan on defense. PQ's right there matching it. you got somebody like that. I've wanted for years, Ravens has, fans have wanted for years, a guy with fire, a, like a burning desire to, to produce. And, and that's what OBJ is. So I'm not going to be angry about it now. This is what I've been wanting. Now, if he were to return to his more immature days, where he lets it become a cancer, but he's watching that. And he's talked about that. And he's so good to Zay. He's so encouraging to Zay. He's so encouraging to Bateman. He's just, he's not throwing his helmet down because he wants the ball over them. He's throwing it down because he had an opportunity and because he has this standard. That's what I see. Now it's a close line. You could ride the line. It could, it could shift either way. But to me, in my eyes, he has rode that line well, and I welcome it because I want that fire, especially come playoff time. Plus, these aggregators, let's be honest, there's multiple games at once during every single slate of the day, whether it's the 1 o'clock slate, the 425 slate, and obviously there's only typically there's typically only one primetime game at night. But my point is, they're probably just seeing this clip, the three-second clip that I put up that I made clear, was related to Odell Beckham Jr.'s desire to finish a play, desire yep, to did. get in the end zone for the first time in well over a year. Well, since the Super Bowl, two Super Bowls ago. And what do they do? They're not probably actually watching the game, realizing that, oh, wow, he's, he's, he's drawing three DPIs. He's trying to get involved. He has stomach contusion. Buda Baker quite literally need the guy in the ribs. Right, he had to jog off into the he, locker room to get some help. He's blocking his booty off, which like yeah, somebody of, of OBJ's pedigree to come in here and block and, and Harbaugh praise that. Like yep. that's not what you would think of from a world class athlete like like him. Like if he were if he were mailing it in and not doing those other things, then I'd be like, okay, the attitude's wrong. But he is doing all that other stuff. Yep, it's the classic macro observations versus micro when you have the entire sample size of a season so far which is eight weeks some of which yes he has been unavailable for but we've seen the full slate we have a full appetite 
for what Odell Beckham Jr. has meant so far. And yes, from a productivity standpoint, it's been underwhelming. But as far as I'm concerned, we're going to measure that when it's all said and done based on what he can give this team when they need him the most in December and January. Let's keep the conversation moving here. And in order to do that, by the way, you had one note here as well, which I think was, was worthy of just briefly mentioning here. John Harbaugh mentioned that they called a Todd Munkin called a quote very no 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 no, no defense oh oops sorry defense. go ahead yeah, yeah I didn't have this note no, so no, my bad no no it's all good um because they were asking the reporters were asking about all the points given up on defense and he was talking about uh, you know there was this big lead and so he was like he's like we were we were calling a pretty no very vanilla defense in the fourth quarter. So I think that's I think that that's another note to bring in. We talked to Roquan um, on Monday. This will be a good segue into Roquan next. But basically, we had asked Roquan, "Do you know what happened?" And he's like, "Yeah, we do," but he didn't reveal it, right? Um, and but he did. He went through down the airplane to talk to everybody, and everybody you know talked about what they could have done better. But I think another element of it is that the Ravens were calling a a vanilla a quote, a quote, very vanilla defense in the fourth quarter. And it was just like, we had the lead. They didn't want to like, they didn't want to show things for future opponents. Right. And, um, it ended up working out. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think that plays into what went wrong on defense in the fourth quarter. I got you, which perfectly segues us to episode four of inside the vault with Roquan Smith, two quick snippets, Two quick teasers to hopefully entice you to go check out that episode if you haven't already done so, which is available across all platforms here inside the vault, both on YouTube and the audio-only spaces. So a couple different things. Well, first of all, we talked about a number of different things. First of all, his, his shoulder feels good. He came out of the Arizona game feeling good after missing Wednesday's practice. So obviously that's important. But specifically speaking to what we watched unfold, just the game within the game, the physicality, Marquise Brown comes over across the middle for a little mesh route, and Roquan decides to greet him at the line of scrimmage, and it made for a great answer in terms of what his mindset, mentality, and strategy are when these these undersized wide receivers try to come up in his area. It kind of looked like you were running through a wall on Marquise Brown in one of those plays. You gave him a little something-something. Is that you like to give a little extra cooking with grease when they come across the middle? Yeah, no, for sure. It Definitely when uh, those receivers come through uh, on those low routes, little mesh routes and things of that nature, uh, I try to wake them up a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've gotten a couple. I've only got one to drop down uh, to his knees. That was, uh, it was what, St. Brown leading the game last week. It was like a boxing match. You know, I hit him a couple times throughout the game and then, like, the 13th round, he dropped. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I didn't get too many on two yesterday, but I did get one on him, and then he pre pretty much just aborted the route. So, yeah, I just got to, you know, send a message, help my DBs out when uh, the little guys coming in there hanging out uh, in uh, me and PQ's territory. We mentioned this on the postgame show. He got him pretty good there. I did not remember St. Brown getting knocked around, but I wasn't looking at, I wasn't looking for that. For whatever reason, I just saw it in the top right hand of the side of the screen on, on Sunday in Arizona, where it was, oh man, who got popped over there? Oh gosh, that was Marquise. Oh, oh wait, that was Roquan sustaining that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, now I am going to be watching because I want to see this more often. It's hilarious when he does that. 
just asserting his dominance, right? Like that we talked about in the post game really briefly. And I think I mentioned something like, Hey, if, if you get hit like that a couple times, I mean, like Roquan said, I don't know how many times he actually got St. Brown, but the final one, he hits his knees. Like he gets, you know, you're going to think about that the next time you go his way oh, through yeah. the route, just that psychological warfare. But one other thing as well, Roquan was asked, we, we, we talked a little bit about, Obviously, uh, the the bulletin board material with the Cardinals, and he made sure to say what was the actual quote um, that I had here. It was it was like, let me just pull it up quickly so that I get this get this right. Because you know the the Cardinals social media team put out that that tweet about Lamar and the running back back in May, and so we asked him about it, and Roquan said, "I didn't really pay that too much attention. I just looked at it and was like, uh." The Cardinals is on the schedule, and they have to get dealt with. So you think it mattered to him whatsoever? <laughs> like, he's just uh, – his one-liners are exceptional, and somehow they get better and better every single time. But in terms of what's coming up with the Seahawks, here he is. And just a quick, quick look. I mean, if you're making jokes about the Lions' den, the Seahawks, a bird, are coming to town this upcoming weekend. Any uh, Have you generated any kind of motivational ideas for how you're going to put them on notice? I'm definitely prepared, preparing the right way, and actually, I'm gonna look up on YouTube uh, after I finish up with you guys. You guys, a Raven Bird versus Seahawk. I want to see how those two uh, <laughs> look together. So, you know, but I, I know we're we're some angry birds over this way. So, we're gonna definitely express that uh, on Sunday, and I know the guys are looking forward because you know we're pissed off uh, on some of the uh, things uh, how this last game played out. But I know. Pete Carroll going to have those guys ready to go. Bobby Wag on D, Gino on O. So I know those guys are going to come here ready to play. And, you know, we wouldn't want it any other way. And we know one thing uh, and two things for sure, you know, we have to uh, defend our turf by any means uh, necessary. So just like our home. So we'll be looking forward to it and welcome them with open arms. It's hilarious because that just made me Google Seahawk and Raven. <laughs> But only hawk comes up instead of Seahawk. I don't really know the, the difference. I need to learn about birds more, apparently, Bobby. But I will say this. Ravens are smarter, okay? Hawk seems like a pretty lethal bird, I got to be honest. But, you know, ravens are smart. You got to outsmart those hawks. He's got me tripping over here. I'm like thinking, does he actually prepare for this or do these things happen organically? Like, like do his one-liners just roll off the tongue? Is he actually going to YouTube or is he just getting us going, you know? Like that, oh, man, based off of that answer, he's definitely researching it. I'm dead. That is incredible. <laughs> Roquan Smith inside the vault with Roe provided by and, and presented by our friends at CyberTech is now available across all platforms. He was awesome. Super insightful on Geno Stone. Again, talked about his shoulder a little bit. Uh, the Cardinals bulletin board material blowback. Yeah, it, it was a good one yet again. And we are tentatively scheduled to chat with him next week after the Seattle game. Let's get to some injury updates from John Harbaugh. You mentioned it in the intro. He was feeling rather generous, which is pretty surprising these days. And he was so far from prickly during this press conference. I know I already mentioned it, but he was like chipper. It's almost as if he didn't have a West Coast flight. Um, you know, like right. probably got them back super late. And then we know they quickly turn around and start preparing for the next week. Maybe he liked what he heard when he had just met with Eric DaCosta, Bobby. And we know that he had already gotten the Derrick Henry move. So maybe, or news. So maybe he was liked where EDC was headed. I don't know. Well, now we're just like, first I'm speculating about Seahawks and Ravens. Now we're talking about his good mood. Who knows around here? <laughs> 
Here he is on the injury category. Uh, nothing major coming out of the game. And, and we may have uh, some hope coming back. I, I had a chance to talk to Tyus um, just last week, and Tyus was, was, was pretty optimistic, you know. Uh, so I can't say it's a guarantee, um, you know, because it's just kind of a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a knee that's a little, a little angry at times. But uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get Tyus back. We'll see how that goes in the next few weeks. Pepe's close. Pepe's close. Yep, Pepe's close. Um, Ham's close. So, and you got to make some decisions there. And those are all good things. So, Pepe Williams, Malik Ham, were those those names. Just to be clear, at the end there. But the big thing is that after a lot of mixed messaging that we've covered extensively here on the vault uh, related to Tyus Bowser's status and a little back and forth in terms of, oh, okay, he may have a decision to make. Oh, wait, actually Tyus himself gets on with Rita and Glenn locally and expresses optimism. He's ready to roll. He feels good. Now it looks like there could be a turning point here. What, what did you make of that? I will believe it when I see it. Harbaugh <laughs> has been given optimism by doctors in the past, but now he's gotten it from Tyus. I will believe it when I see it. That's probably wise of you, isn't it? <laughs> quick hits. Let's get to the quick hits. Statistically speaking here, Aaron Schatz. The Ravens may be number one in DVOA, which again is like, you know, adjusted value, efficiency, performance-based. But they have the second hardest remaining schedule by average DVOA of opponents. The Bengals have the hardest. The Saints have the easiest. And Jonas Schaefer, after eight weeks, the Ravens lead the NFL in DVOA, again, which is weighted for opponent quality. I guess that's probably a better description there than I gave you. But the offense, number four overall. Defense ranks top overall league-wide. Special teams, 18. That's something that John Harbaugh spoke about, by the way. Remember, they had another gaffe with the Nelson Aguilar sort of uh, hesitancy on that onside kick that led to Arizona recovering. Past schedule difficulty, number 16, and future schedule difficulty, number two. But again, after eight weeks, the Ravens lead the NFL in DVOA when all of these are combined together equation-wise. Which is crazy because there's only really one game where it feels like the Ravens put everything together. So the fact that they're number one is pretty nice. It, it just it's I've used this phrase a few times, meet, there's meat on the bone, meat on the bone. Six yeah. and two, and yet there's still so much potential. Literally. Literally. Speaking of potential, I think the potential of the CBS broadcast booth will make for a very enjoyable game from a, a broadcasting standpoint on Sunday in Baltimore. For the first time in a long time, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson, the NFL on CBS A-team, if you will, will be in Baltimore calling Seahawks-Ravens. So looking forward to that, especially, again, I'm not going to harp on it, but it wasn't the best watch ever. Let's just say that on Sunday in Arizona. Hey, we need this after last week. We need it. We need a nice quality broadcast. <laughs> yes, we do. What's your final quick hit clip here? Okay, so this is uh, Brian Baldinger, you know, Baldy. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I saw this going around while we were just talking, but Baldy delivers. And I saw so many people retweeting it and talking about it that I wanted to play it, but I'm going to see it for the first time, as I know you will. But this is Baldy breaking down Lamar Jackson. Let's watch Lamar go about his business here. Down on the five-yard line. Ravens down 5 nothing. Like, he's going to look for his main target, Mark Andrews, right there in the middle of the field. 
and he can't get it to him because he's got a hand in his face. So he just backs up a step and he makes this throw. Like, how do you make that throw? Like, how do you just kick your left foot up and just wing this ball and make a perfect throw to Mark Andrews? <laughs> I don't know how you teach that. That was so worth it. I'm, Good poll. Good poll. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. What's crazy is I'm glad he kept rewinding it. I, audio people, you got to go over to the to the YouTube also to check it out. I'm glad he replayed it like four times. Like actually, he replayed it probably like eight because the first four times I was more watching Lamar's arm angle, and I'm like, how did he get that English on there? You know, where it's just like. It like starts here, but then curves in the other way. So I kept watching the arm angle. And then he's like, then he talks about the leg. And I was like, whoa. And I looked down and it's not like Lamar with the same foot coming. It was like the other foot coming up and, and throwing. That was fantastic. And I did not notice it live. That was a good one, Baldy. Thank you. Streetball at Baldy NFL on Twitter is where you can find that breakdown. But that is streetball in its best form for Lamar. If Patrick Mahomes did that, it'd be all over SportsCenter. I've only seen it on Twitter from Brian, so we'll see if it ends up getting its due on the national side of things. Do want to be sure to shout out and thank two of our newest patrons. These two are just now supporting us and signing up to do so through Patreon, which means a lot. Christopher Washington and Brian Walters, shout out you both. Thank you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys are interested in doing the same out there, perhaps you're a small business owner. Maybe you're somebody who wants to just throw a buck 99 to say thanks. Maybe you want a 499 shout out. I don't know. Whatever it is, there's a bunch of different ways to help us out, and it certainly does mean a lot on the back end of what we're doing here, uh, having just reached 10,000 subscriptions last week. So subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so, if you've been enjoying our stuff. Roquan, a brand new episode with him, an exclusive conversation with Agent Zero is available across all of our platforms. You guys are the best. We'll start to turn the page to Seattle in this Week 9 matchup that's forthcoming on Sunday. And we will talk to you soon here inside the vault from my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. I'm Bobby Trossett. Later. Later.